What's up, Story Geeks? Welcome to The Mandalorian Show on the Story Geeks Talk Disney+. Plus. I'm Jay Shear, author of the time travel novel Time Slingers, and with me to discuss this spoiler-filled show digging deeper into episode three of The Mandalorian, two Star Wars geeks who all have shiny new suits of Beskar armor. Daryl Smith? Yes. Yes. You got your armor? Uh, sure. <laughs> well, Super why not? shiny. No one can no one can see on a podcast, <laughs> so of course we do. Uh, and Victoria Fox. Yes. Um, I don't think I would have gotten that far to actually get the uh, reward for the armor, but sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably not. Huh? We would have wouldn't, had to... wouldn't have had the heart to do it. <laughs> no, no, we wouldn't be able to. Yeah, we would have had to inherit our armor from somebody else. Absolutely. Um, well, thanks again for joining us, Tori. Tori was on our episode one breakdown, which was phenomenal. That was a great episode, yeah. so thank you for that. Yeah, um, excited to be back. And then Tori and I both took a break, actually, because I wasn't on the last one, but I get to be back now, so that's, that's cool, too. And our normal co-host, Ashley Pauls, is uh, out traveling, but you don't have to feel sorry for her because she literally went to Hawaii. Yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> Do not feel she's, bad for her at all. She's doing just <laughs> fine. Yeah, she's good to go. Um, so to get things kicked off Tori and Daryl obviously this is the best episode of television in the history of the medium <laughs> and so why is that <laughs> I, I say that but I'm kidding but before we dig deeper I do want to hear your thoughts what did you think of this episode on a scale of one to 50 year old baby Yoda's Tori what oh, did no. you give episode three uh it's it's a 50 for me um truthfully um mm -hmm. I loved it obviously come on um, I thought it was predictable, but in the sense of, like, really satisfying predictability. Like, everyone really wanted that to happen. It happened. Um, and I'm just so psyched about finally knowing what Will Rohood was carrying in the investment. Because <laughs> I never knew it. Like, oh, it's an ice cream maker part. Okay, cool. And now it's <laughs> right, like, right, oh, right. it's a safe. He was carrying a safe this whole time. Like, that's so exciting. I don't know why. But that... I think that was the best part for me. <laughs> That's a really good pickup because I was not, I was like, wait, what is she talking about right now? And then like, as soon as you said the safe, I'm like, oh, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the best I, car. Yeah. The carry of the best car. But yeah, I loved yeah. it. I thought it was uh, an incredible episode. I'm still sad. Like we haven't seen any of the really cool like Cardoon or Fennec or any of them, but I'm hoping every episode I'm like, next episode's going to be the one. Next yeah. episode's going to be the one. So <laughs> I'm just missing the cool ladies but other than that great episode loved it yeah I'd, I'd probably go with a 50 year old baby as well Whoa. yeah yeah i loved it we almost turned my wife and i almost turned around and watched it again right away <laughs> mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. super fun i love the uh the incursion when 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 mando goes back in to get baby yoda oh yeah and yeah, takes yeah. out all the stormtroopers and uses all of the weapons and all of that stuff oh dude yeah Super fun to watch that. And then the big triumphant, you know, Mandalorians to the rescue moment yes, at the end. Yes, yes, So I, I, too, was kind of waiting for one of the other characters to pop in on this one. But, uh, um, you know, that's still to come. So yeah. I'm, I'm good. Well, they're, they're off to another planet now. So hopefully that they'll be uncovering some more characters. Um, mm -hmm. I am also at 50 because... I, I was making a joke about it being one of the best episodes of television. There are just a couple things that may, 
I may retract that a little bit just because I've watched the show. I've watched it twice now, the episode twice, and I loved it both times, and I'm still giving it 50. But there's a couple things where I'm like, it might not be the best episode in television history, but it is up there for me. I got. Think, I thought it was it's so close. good. Yeah, <laughs> so, so good. In this episode, John Favreau, who, by the way, I'm almost positive has a cameo as the other Mandalorian that comes in and messes with him. Oh, really? I'm almost positive that's John Favreau's voice. I, I, well, I did not look it up. So, and I didn't see the, f- I can't remember what the, f- I think it was Paz. So someone basically wrote his name out. Like there is a name for, you're talking about the infantry Mandalorian, I Yes, assume? that's the correct. The big guy. Yes, yes. Yep. So his name is Paz Vizla, which um, John Favreau's character, that was the same last name in the Clone Wars. I'm I'm almost positive because I was sitting with um my I was watching it by myself and I'm like okay I think that's him then I was watching the show with my wife later on in the day and I'm like dude it is for sure him it sounds just like him I'm I'm gonna put my money on John Favreau who by the way I have met in person isn't this isn't that crazy before wow, he was super wow. famous oh my I, gosh I what? met him in person yeah where um it's okay I'll tell the brief version of the story because it's. It's actually kind of funny. So I met him at a, an outdoor mall movie theater when he was premiering his movie Made. Um, and I had not previously seen Swingers. So if you guys don't know, John Favreau, before he did anything Disney, before he did anything MCU, any, any of that stuff, he, um, he had a movie called Swingers. It was, a, it was really an independent comedy, really, with Vince Vaughn. And then he had a follow-up mm-hmm. movie about different characters, but also with Vince Vaughn called Made. And my friends had seen Swingers, and they were like, hey, let's go see Made. So we went and see Made. He's out there signing posters out in front of the movie theater. And oh, again, wow. He hadn't done any major movies besides these two. These aren't major, major, but they're, you know. So I go up to him. He's like, hey, what do you, who do you want me to make this out to? Like, who do you want me to sign this to? Oh, I remember this. Yeah, story. you remember this? And yeah. I was like, and I was like, Oh, you know what? Like, just sign it. <laughs> I always feel like it's kind of one of those cheesy things when you're like, oh, yeah, please sign it to me. And I never, I didn't know the guy at all. So it just felt very strange. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, oh, yeah, just sign, just like sign it. It's fine. He's like, and he goes, oh, you're going to sell it on eBay, huh? And I'm like, oh, yeah, funny, haha, or whatever. Like, you know, we laugh about it. <laughs> then I'm watching this. He used to have a show on one of the cable networks called dinner for five and he would have like actors and directors who he would talk to um, at this table and um and he's on that show and he goes you can always tell the real dirt bags who ask you to sign posters but not to them just <laughs> sign the name so they can go sell it on ebay i'm like oh great he's talking about john favreau oh god hates me and i don't even i actually did not never even sold that poster by the way i, I kept that poster back to the mandalorian um he's bringing us like a real John Wick, Iron Man 3 sort of inspired episode, right? Like it's kind of a mashup of all those things. So what I'm wondering, I'll start with you on this one, Daryl, is what emotions did the storytellers elicit in you during this episode? Well, first of all, I totally got the John Wick vibe. Like yeah. I leaned over to my wife and I said, I have served, I will be of service. And <laughs> yeah. She's like, what? And I'm like, oh yeah, you haven't seen John Wick 3. Um, but... Uh, you know, this one is kind of the first one where it becomes really clear mm-hmm. that he's going against the grain to do something that he thinks is more important. Right. You know, you. I mean, it felt like he was going to do that in the second episode, but right. here we know for sure. It's like, all right. And that that is, is exciting to me. Like, 
that mm. makes me, that gives me emotions of like, of like coming together as a team yeah. and rallying to do something right. And then when, you know, when he was in the, uh, I don't know what the secret Mandalorian smelting place oh, is called. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. But the forgery. The forgery, or, yeah. Or when he's in forge. there and they're all coming up to him, it's like, at first, that feels like, oh, crap, they're all going to try to beat him up and take his best car, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they don't. They end up coming together as a clan. Yeah. And it's like, I f- what, what is it they say? I forget. This is how it This is be. the way. This, this is, is the, the way. way. Yes. Yeah. <coughs> and I'm like, that is so cool. Yeah. <laughs> and so, I don't know. There was a lot of a lot of positive emotions in this one. It's like, all right, we got a hero to root for here. You yeah, know? absolutely. Tori, what do you think? What kind of experience, what kind of emotions did you experience throughout the show? Oh, every single one. I think it was such a roller coaster this time. (laughs) (laughs) Like I felt, um, you know, him obviously, you know, giving the child away and that was really sad for me. But then, and then kind of seeing the Mandalorians and kind of where they're at at this point. Like, I feel like we kind of already knew initially in the other episodes, Oh, you know, they're not doing so great. They're kind of having to hide their, their home was, you know, destroyed, but it's kind of even more driven home in this episode that they are just so like underground and mm. um that was really kind of sad to me um but then you have you know the uh, the highs of the episode him going back for the child and and seeing um all the mandalorians come together um to help him and that honestly i got kind of emotional that was really cool mm. <laughs> just to see mm. everyone show up um so yeah so i felt kind of every spectrum of emotion yeah yeah, I, I, I uh, fell into that same boat. I mean, there's the you have so much joy when little baby Yoda climbs out of his his bassinet, of, for lack oh of a better God. word, and then walks over and starts unscrewing the, the top yeah. of the knob of the thing, you know? Oh, my God, yes. And yeah. then at the end of the episode, he does it for him and drops yeah, it in his hands. Yeah, he drops it in his hands. Yeah, so you have oh that like God. that little emotion. Oh, precious. And, and then you have uh, then you have the devastating emotion of like or maybe that maybe it's not devastating yet but when you when he's taking baby Yoda through the center of the town and you and baby Yoda's like looking around like whoa this is not a place I want to be you know he like looks very scared about it oh my it. god yeah it's very upsetting <laughs> yeah it's very upsetting and you're just sitting there going like yeah. oh no this is so bad for this little kid <laughs> and then um, after he he takes him to the Imperials. I'll just use that term for him because we don't really know what they are yet. Um, He takes him to the Imperials and, and when he's being carted out as you know, like right before, right before the Mandalorian asks, you know, what are you going to do with him? Like he's being carted out. He looks back over his shoulder with those big eyes. And he like yelled, he like yelled and he was like, dad, dad, he like, Oh, Oh, I feel so like he's I, like already in the other episodes. I was like, he makes the cutest noises, which they're literally just baby noises, but it's cuter because yeah. <laughs> it's him. Um, and this episode, he made like even better noises. I was like, oh my god. Yeah, that's so true. And so, so I think all of those things, like all of those emotions, like you go through in the beginning, and that sets you up for such a like um, heroic feeling, oh, an incredible the, ending. Yeah, yeah, just like this this sense of like. First of all, you have a sense of like suspense and. Uh, trepidation as he goes back because you're like, oh, this this could be real bad for him going back. But then as he starts to destroy everybody, you're like, this is going real well. Now you're really excited about it. And of course, near the end, when all when everybody starts showing up, like you guys already talked about, I think there's this sense of like you said, Daryl community. And there's mm-hmm. a sense of like being a loner who 
people will show up for you gives you really a sense of like love and deeper meaning um, mm -hmm. as somebody who yeah. may feel like a loner. And that's just really cool that people would show up for you like that. And so that, I just think that those emotions are pretty powerful for this show. And so I had to, I had to dig into that a little bit more. Um, now the show is creating a fascinating dynamic that I wanted to get your guys perspective on. The Mandalorian feels empathy for Baby Yoda, and we do too, obviously. We all just talked about feeling how sad we were when he was being carted off. Um, <laughs> but it's largely, I think, because he himself was orphaned as a child. And then the Mandalorian clan saves the Mandalorian at the end of the episode because he's part of the clan and they're trying to support him through that. So both of those actions are a form of self-sacrifice wherein individuals and groups put aside their moral codes in order to help another sentient being. So talk to me about that. What significance does that have to choose empathy over a code of ethics? Tori, why don't we start with you? Yeah, um, I think it's I think it's a really big deal. I think uh, especially for Mando is very like defining moment for him. Um, mm -hmm. Just thinking about his profession and you know, you have probably every single time he's bringing someone in for a bounty they're like please don't like please don't mm. do this or whatever like begging him so i feel like he's used to kind of like, ignoring emotion and kind of ignoring any sort of pleading or anything like that and i feel like this this baby's just changed him he's a dad now you know he's mm. just uh <laughs> <laughs> i i just and i also think it really shows kind of uh the humanity behind the mask in both mm. instances, it kind of shows, you know, which I feel like we've already seen. I feel like uh, Pedro Pascal has done such an incredible job of conveying that emotion. But I think it really shows um, kind of him stepping up above what he's been used to and what he's used to doing. Um, and I do think it's a turning point for him. I think it's super interesting to see a character that has um, kind of forgone dealing with emotion, kind of having emotion for this little thing. Mm. Um, as far as the... Uh, Mandalorians kind of coming in and helping him out. Um, I thought that was a pretty big deal as well. Um, but I also thought it really fit because like you were saying, Daryl, sense of community. They really do, I think, have a sense of togetherness and kind of everyone together above the individual. So mm -hmm. I think that's really important. I think what's great about stories about orphans mm -hmm. conceptually is that it um, introduces you to different dynamics of what family can be. Oh, yeah. And so, you know, uh, he's finding out that his fellow Mandalorians, there really is a sense of family there, and they will come to his aid, and they mm. will protect him. Mm -hmm. and, and, and now he's becoming this sense of family for Baby Yoda. Mm. And um, I just, I love that. I love the, the redefinition of family because mm. it's, it really is something you can find anywhere. Mm. Like we're not all blessed to be born with the best family, you know? Right, right. Like sometimes mm -hmm. what we're given just doesn't function that well. <laughs> right. And to yeah. be able to go out and find it someplace else is always a great message. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Mm -hmm. We did an episode um, about Captain America with Helen O'Hara from the Empire podcast. And we talked a lot about this very same topic, this, this idea of um, the idea where people matter more than the code of ethics or the morality does. And I actually feel like any 
anyone's morality that is more focused on some sort of code as opposed to people is is kind of backwards. It's almost like morality exists so that you can do the best thing for other people as opposed to morality exists or your code of ethics. I'm using those interchangeably. Um, as opposed to that thing, your morality or your code of eth ethics existing so that you can you know, maintain a sense of self or something like that, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's really, I think, a code of ethics or a moral code that is based on other people is the most, is the superior moral code. Um, and I think we get that a lot in these types of shows when you see these types of things happen. Like, um, obviously, the Mandalorians had kind of talked about sticking to their, to their, clan and not not being out and about as much um and yeah. yet here they are all coming out of the the depths of the city that they're in in order to show up for uh on behalf of uh one of their clan and that's most certainly going to hurt i'm sure a lot of them are bounty hunters too and it's going to most certainly hurt a lot of their ability to get work but they're doing it because um, they're trying to protect one of their own and i think that's that's really cool too but I think even the Mandalorian's ethics are almost even higher because he's helping somebody who's not even of his clan. He's going outside mm -hmm. his clan yeah. to help somebody else out. And I found that I find things like that to be really powerful in storytelling because they can be instrumental. I mean, obviously we're watching this show because it's cool, and the guy shows up with like this giant. You know, uh, we're, I'm going to call him John Favreau's character because I don't know. <laughs> I'm just assuming it's him. But you know, he shows up with this giant like cannon, blaster cannon. And I'm like, that's awesome. But also, uh -huh. the show taught me this was really <laughs> cool. You know, like it is yeah. really cool to be a good human. You know, or a good sentient oh, yeah. being. So. Yeah, that's like what Star Wars is, I feel like. It's a lot of like really cool gadgets and gizmos, but it's also like underneath it all got some really nice, really nice messages about family and chosen family and all of that. Absolutely. Absolutely. So let's dig deeper a little bit into this idea of orphans, and they're called foundlings here. And we kind of see the Mandalorian's character kind of consistently reflect upon his, his uh, being torn from his family. And they're suggesting to us, I think, that orphans are in need of support and safety and protection, certainly, be, despite the fact that they even have abilities and powers that make them, you know, by themselves valuable. Obviously, Baby Yoda's super valuable to us, even without, um, even without support, but he still needs support and safety and protection. So, Daryl, is that a compelling idea for us to explore in storytelling? Why or why not? I mean, yeah, definitely. Going back to what I said on the last question, too, just just the idea of finding family in different places. Mm. But also, I love the idea of a character whose outlook on the world and way of doing things mm. is really developed through their own personal journey and not necessarily informed by other people. Because mm. a lot of times you get, you get stories about people trying to break out of their family tradition, right? Right. And in, in the case of, of a foundling or an orphan, they don't have that context. Mm. And there's something cool and mysterious about that. Yeah. And so, especially in this case, when we don't even know what his face... I mean, we know what Pedro Pascal looks like, but, yeah. but he hasn't, the character hasn't taken off the helmet, right. and we don't know if he ever will. And so it just kind of adds to the mystery of that concept. And um, I think it's super compelling. I'm excited to see where it goes. Yeah. Tori, what do you think? 
I think I pretty much agree with what Daryl was saying. <laughs> um, <laughs> honestly, yeah, like I had a, a, quite a bit of that kind of sort of in a way written in my notes. But um, yeah, just bouncing off of that, um, I think it's very compelling because I do feel like Star Wars, you know, war major consequence of war a lot of times is you know the orphan mm. um and i feel like it's very interesting to kind of see um how he's responding to baby yoda mm. and baby yoda is kind of in a way you know it, in this at this point kind of his foundling that he's kind of sponsored yeah. <laughs> at this point <laughs> he's kind of picked up um and i and i really enjoy like the quote where like the foundlings of the future the foundlings of the future I, at this point, clearly we don't know a ton, but Baby Yoda, I think, is a really important part of possibly the future. I think he's mm -hmm. definitely, he or she is holding a lot of weight when it comes to the future, clearly. Um, a lot of people want to want to secure it. So, um, yeah, I think it's really compelling to, I really, the most compelling thing, I think, is seeing kind of him and, like you said, him and his um, experiences growing up kind of orphaned. And him kind of reflecting and relating to this child. Mm, so mm, I think that'll absolutely. be the most interesting. I think that there are two components to orphans that make them really c compelling in stories. The first has to do more so with us as human beings. I think that at our core, and this is just my personal belief, so I, I'm sure a bunch of people would be like, what are you talking about? But <laughs> I believe that we're we sort of every single human on the face of the earth sort of feels like an orphan. In other words, you're going to enter the world alone. You're going to exit the world alone to a large extent. You might have people around you here and there, and they might be very intimate with you, and you might develop really deep relationships with them. But there's still those times when you're sitting there and you're like, man, in this particular moment, I feel really alone. So I think that when we see orphans in stories, part of us can say, oh, I've felt that way before. Maybe not to the extreme of being torn from my parents in the middle of a war. Um, maybe not, you know, being baby Yoda and not, and then we have no clue who his parents are or her parents are for that matter. Um, and I think that there's a component for us that is internal that we want to go, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I feel for that person. The second thing is I think that we also, because we ourselves have generally felt that way in, at some point in our lives, I feel like we have, it's easy for us to pick up empathy for those characters, right? Mm -hmm. We're like, we see that character and we're like, oh, I feel really bad for that character because I've felt that way and it's terrible and I want to save him from it, <laughs> right? And I think that that's kind of the other um, thing that makes orphans really compelling here. And I think that the film or the, the TV show is doing such a great job with eliciting those feelings from us and then working through them in a way that it costs people, right? It costs the Mandalorian something. He does not have a job anymore because I don't mm -hmm. think that um, – I keep forgetting Apollo Creed's name. <laughs> what, what Carl is Weathers. Carl Weathers. Oh, no, no. Well, not, not oh, Grief Karga. Grief Karga. Oh, yeah. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> Um, I don't think he's going to want to hire the Mandalorian for anything, right? Like, there's not he's no, not going to do that. And I feel like Ward's going to get around that this guy can uh, stick to the protocol. So exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, so, anyways, we'll 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 continue on. But remind me because I want to tell you guys, I actually have a theory now. I would didn't get to talk about it because we were, I was going to talk about it this morning on the other podcast I recorded, but uh, our guest Helen had not seen the Mandalorian yet. And I, oh, it's right, way yeah. big of a spoiler. 
but I, oh, but yeah. since you guys oh. have, I want to talk about it. But it's gonna, I'll yeah. get to it later. I'll get to it later. Okay, cool. So um, now that the setup for this show has finished, right? We needed we needed the setup to get us to a point where we were we were leaving um, the normalcy of what the Mandalorian is used to being around and in. That setup has ended because he's now left that planet and he's it's not normalcy because he's actually got a little creature with him, right? <laughs> um, so what do you want to see throughout the rest of the series? What locations do you want to see? What kind of cameos do you want to see? Are there any major po- plot points that you want to get into? Tori, what do you what do you want from this show going, moving forward? So I think my wants are pretty simple, um, generally speaking. I... Um, I'm excited about the new stuff. I love world building. I love expanding. So I'm all for new stuff, new people, new places. Um, as I said before, obviously, I I need some Cara Dune. I need mm. some Fennec. I need it, like, soon. <laughs> <laughs> but um, my biggest thing, I think, that I would be super excited for, um, Fennec's character description, um, which is Ming-Na Wen's character, mm. um, is that she works for top crime syndicates. And so mm. I automatically think of uh, Crimson Dawn. Mm. Um, I would love to see more expansion on Crimson Dawn, Kira, Maul, anything like that. And um, mm. Yeah, exactly. Um, just kind of seeing any of that would be really, really cool. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of my main thing. Um, yeah, yeah that's, kinda, that sounds yeah, awesome. Yeah, <laughs> and obviously, like, with Maul, it would have to be more of, like, a, a flashback uh, scenario. But maybe even just kind of hearing more about his involvement or something mm. like that. I'd be really excited for that. Um, and I just love Kira. Kira is, like, my main thing. I would love to hear her come up at some point, even just her name. Mm. Um, additionally, um, which I think it's heading to this, this direction. We kind of have already talked about it. Um, connections to... Um, the sequel trilogy would be really, really nice. Yeah, yeah. So other than that, like, I'm game for anything. I'm kind of along for the ride. I like where this has gone so far, so. Yeah, it's it's been delivering every single week. What do you think, Daryl? Where do you want it to go? God, I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know where it's going, and I love that. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's definitely some really cool characters that we know are coming or that look really cool. Yeah. So I'm definitely excited to see those. Um. I don't know. I think I just want to see the answers to the questions we have mm. done well. Okay. You know, I want a really cool mm-hmm. explanation for that little baby. Yeah. And <laughs> and I want to know whether or not Mando's going to take off the helmet. I mean, yeah. I'm not in a hurry, but yeah, yeah. I'm just looking forward to the resolution of those things. Yeah. Um, so I don't know that there's any specific plot points that I want. Um, or cameos. I don't know that I necessarily want cameos from known characters. Okay. No cameos. Emphasis Ness, you said you shouted out Emphasis Ness. Emphasis Ness would be awesome. I, uh, does okay. that fit time wise? The, the one exception. Um, um, I she, mean, she'd be pretty old. Be we older. don't yeah. know. Yeah, but we don't know that she's dead. That's the other thing. You know, Kira could be dead. Who knows? But like, yeah. maybe right. not. Right. Um, I mean, there are some cameos that could work, like a Darth Maul or like those kinds well, of. Well, Darth things. Maul wouldn't work because he's for sure dead. I mean, just for he's me to dead. enjoy. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm yeah, just yeah, yeah, yeah. To- to- totally subjective. <laughs> right, right, right. I just yeah. mean like. Um, yeah. I I think for me it would be more of like those characters that we haven't seen a ton of. Like I wouldn't really yeah. want to see yeah. a character that I you know, like, that is a big deal. Someone who we have seen so much content on. I'd like to see someone who's like a little lesser. 
developed, I guess. Totally. Yeah. yeah if you say if Han Solo rode, rolled through, you'd be like, "Come no. on, man." Uh, yeah, yeah. I'd be like, "Ah, eh, no, thank yeah, you." That's <laughs> not, yeah, that's not. We don't need that. Yeah. I mean, love him, but. Eh. Same, same, same. Yeah, and plus, I think, I think that they're doing such a good job of making this feel like Star Wars. Yeah. Without giving us those characters. Yeah. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that I just don't need it. Like, right. I, no. uh, Tori, Agreed. I said in an episode that we recorded earlier today that just an explosion in this episode. I'm like, that explosion feels like Star Wars. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> oh, yeah. It was when he put the little charge on the door to blow the door when he was going oh, in. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, just oh, that yeah. feels like a Star Wars explosion. Like, there's yeah. just, the world is so well represented that I don't need yeah. cameos to convince me that of what universe this is in, you know? Yeah. It's a great point. I um the only thing I would add because I I actually am one hundred percent on board with everybody you mentioned, Tori. Um, Mm -hmm. Those would all be fantastic cameos to appear at some point in time. Um, The only other things I'd add to that is I would love back in the day. This is more old school Star Wars video games. Back when I actually used to play video games, which was a (laughs) long time ago. um, There, you used to go to areas like uh, Nalhutta and Nar Shadda, and those were um, those were bounty hunter kind of hut run systems. I would love for them to visit some of those systems and to make, I, I don't know if those are canon right now, but I mean, mm-hmm. basically yeah. a lot of the people in this show are speaking Huttese, and I know that because I watched the show with, uh, with uh, what do you call it? Subtitles. I watch the show with subtitles, and it'll say in Hatties. Oh, yeah, Hatties. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, subtitles um, are super useful for finding out random things like that. Exactly, exactly. So, And I need them because if I'm preparing questions or something like that, I need to make sure I understand what all the dialogue is and stuff. So, you know. Um, but that probably means they're in that area of the, of the galaxy. They're in that... Um, locale you know what i mean around other planets that would speak Hatties as their kind of primary language so um i'm hoping we get some of those locations uh as far as plot yes. points go i think a connection to um is it crimson dawn you said tori yes yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and there's is there a black sun as well crimson dawn and black sun is that is it those two things or am i getting that wrong yeah yeah, I don't know, remember either. But I'd love to see those. I, I'd love to see those crime syndicate type deals. And those fit really well into Nal Hutta and um, Nar Shadda as well. By the way, I don't know that I'm pronouncing those right at all because I've only <laughs> ever seen them written. Um, but yeah, that'd be that would be awesome to uh, to see those as well. So uh, here, I don't know if I have a better place to give you guys uh, my my theory, uh, my fan theory here. Yeah, do it. But here's what I think because it's related to plot points. Here's what I actually think is happening. I think that the Empire, the, what's left of the Empire, if Palpatine is actually coming back in the Rise of Skywalker, which I believe he is, I think that what he's trying to do is extract midi-chlorians from Baby Yoda in order to create Rey. And that's the big reveal at the end of this show. I think that's what's mm. happening. I don't want midi chlorians involved <laughs> in any of this. Well, but you have to. I actually. So 
not as far as you and not as far developed as you in yeah. terms of application. But when I heard when he kind of like is tuning in and it's kind of in and out, but all you do here is him say like, I need you to extract it now. Yes. I did. I did think of midichlorians. I was like, what else? Like, what else could it be? Right. Exactly. And Unless then, it's like unicorn blood in Harry Potter or something. Right. Just like <laughs> right, drink right, the right, blood exactly. and you're like live forever. I don't know. But. <laughs> Yeah, and then if you look back through, um, and this is what prompted it, because when we were talking about Darth Vader, um, Anakin Skywalker, Palpatine basically tells him that Plagueis could create people. And the, and the big theory is, well, either Plagueis or Palpatine created Anakin. And I'm sitting here going like, okay, yeah, that's actually a connection. The, because the same thing we know from that, from that same uh, movie is that not only, or that same prequel trilogy, is that not only did Palpatine or Plagueis uh, create Anakin, or possibly create Anakin, Qui-Gon Jinn tells us that the midi-chlorians had a role in creating Anakin. So if you could extract midi-chlorians from somewhere, perhaps like a baby Yoda, you could use mm. those same midi-chlorians that are super powerful in the Force in someone else, theoretically, that you created. So... I don't like this for two reasons. <laughs> it's just a, it's just go. it's just me <laughs> hypothesizing. I don't want to hear anything about mini chlorians. That really is one of my reasons. Okay. Because I just don't think we ever needed that. Yeah, Daryl doesn't like um, the prequels either. But um, I don't want any explanations for Ray to exist outside of that trilogy of films. Do you know what I mean? Mm. I don't want anything mm. to come from like this show that informs that movie. Oh, really? Like I love that it's all in canon and they do a great job of making it in the same universe. Yeah. But I want the integrity of that movie to stay intact within that movie. Does uh, that make sense? That's sure. fair. No, that makes yeah, sense. I think so. Yeah. I uh, I just uh, I, <laughs> I just and it, your theory is very interesting, but I just <laughs> I like what I like what I like about Ray is that there's nothing like it's not like oh she which again you know this could all be changed in the next movie who knows but I what I really enjoy about Ray and what has really made me feel a connection to Ray is that she's kind of just special on her own she's not you know she's not a princess she's not mm. a senator she's not you know. Qui-Gon Jinn's daughter or whatever, you know, she's just kind of on her own. And I like that. So, yeah. I mean, if this happens to be the case, then all right. I'm <laughs> sure it'll be well done. But <laughs> Yeah, and, and by the way, I actually am not advocating for this to happen. I just think that it may no, be something No, it is an interesting theory, with. though. Yeah, 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 exactly. Well, Because I actually agree on the Ray point. The, both of you are making, making a similar point with Ray. In other words, she should exist in her own universe, and it, we shouldn't have to get information from this show to inform what happened with Rey. Not before Last Jedi. Last Jedi. The Rise not of before Rise of Skywalker yeah. comes out. But where we will find out more about Rey yeah. is when the Obi-Wan Kenobi series comes out, because obviously Rey is a Kenobi. So uh. we'll learn more about that. <laughs> oh still sticking to that. You're still sticking to your guns. Um, <laughs> but I, I, also, I also tend to like the... See, I think it would be more compelling... For Ray to be a force creation, all by itself, all by herself. Like there's no other. Like nobody else had a hand in correct. it. Correct. Yeah, it exactly. Just I and mean, that would be awesome too. Yeah, that's the yeah. most compelling aspect of of Ray to me. So I'm still rooting for that. But I just th uh, seeing this and seeing that they want to extract, they want to extract something from Baby Yoda, right? 
Well, yeah. what could they possibly want to extract? Well, he's he or she is super strong in the force. It would make sense if they were trying to extract. Well, what did, what could they extract? I don't know. Maybe midichlorians. You know what I mean? Like these are the things no, that yeah, the past a, I'm going down. Yeah, I mean, you really that whole extraction comment it make it gets your mind going. Yeah. Get, like what? Uh, just just wanted to interject to just a minute here. Um, I just saw this. Uh-huh. Uh, that was John Favreau. Yes. It. it was John Favreau. Yeah, I figured it was. It so. wasn't him physically, though. I don't think. I so. I looked on IMDb. No, Someone else just is credited the voice. with it physically. It's yeah, the voice. but it was his voice. That makes sense because, like, that dude was big, but but John Favreau is like big, big. Yeah, and I'm like, he doesn't look like he's like <laughs> yeah. John Favreau size. Yeah. Anyways, that's a mystery solved. We still don't know. He's gonna hate you for saying that too. So. <laughs> I just dug my hole deeper. <laughs> yeah, like, you really are. Guy, Not I can't great. stand this guy. Anyways. You want a bad mouth elf while we're at it? <laughs> yeah, speaking of stupid Christmas movies. No, I'm Whoa. Um, no, no, no. That's, I would never say that. Too far, that. too far. Too far. Um, okay, so we were hit with so many different things in this episode. Uh, and it's one of the reasons I think we all love it so much. Um, but I did want to get your take on some specific aspects of Star Wars lore that are showcased here. Um, I think it's your turn to start, Daryl. So how do you feel about, one, the B2 super battle droid that we saw? Two... Was that in the flashback? That's in the flashback. Is yeah. that the, that's the thing that's going to... That's that, attacking him and his family. Right, which, by the way, it doesn't kill him, so what's up with that? Mm. Uh, yeah, yeah. There's, good, there's more of the flashback. Each time he adds some armor, you'll get more. Exactly, exactly. So we've got the B2 super battle droid. We have um, seeing, you know, most at least a, some of this Mandalorian clan that exists. And I say that I say that as being a part of Star Wars lore because we don't really see a lot of Mandalorians ever really together. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of an interesting kind of take. I mean, we have in, again, video games from the Legends era, but I don't, nothing that's, that's newer, I don't think. Um, we see the use of rocket packs, which is a Boba Fett thing and a Jango Fett thing. And then the fact that the Mandalorian has never taking this helmet off that seems like a major health hazard to me but i don't know <laughs> but daryl what do you think of those four things would you like would you not like like t- talk to me about it i mean i like all of it i it was interesting to me when they were talking about him ha- having never taken his helmet off she also asked him has anybody taken it off without your desi- yes. like against your will yes and he said no to that too but that seems like an interesting thing to to point out to ask that specifically you yeah. know yeah so I'm curious what, what we'll learn about that. But I think all of it's cool. I think uh, we were talking a little bit about before the show, where at the end when the guy flies yeah, up next yeah. to his ship with the rocket pack and salutes him, like, <laughs> yeah. that, yeah. that a went, a, that went a little too far. But, <laughs> yeah, uh, a little too far. Oh, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> but seeing all of them use their rocket packs in the battle yeah. to get him out of there, I thought was awesome. Yeah, I especially love the scenes where you just see that all happening in the background yeah. and he's flying away and stuff like that. I just I love that. Yeah. Um, the battle droid thing is super interesting. I can't wait to learn more about uh, what went on mm-hmm. and in that attack. So I love all this stuff. So Daryl loves it all. I Tori, do. what do you think? What do you think about these things and any other Star Wars lore type stuff that came up? I mean, I too love it all. Um, <laughs> uh, the battle droid was, yeah, really exciting. Um, kind of confirmed the whole Clone Wars kind of idea. Um, I just think their design's really cool, and I like uh, I like seeing uh, 
how they've kind of progressed with CGI and all that fun stuff. So it's cool to see this kind of like quote unquote like new and improved battle droid. Like however they've decided to interpret it this time. So mm-hmm. that's really fun. Mm-hmm. Um, seeing the Mandalorians in the clan was so cool. And I mean, you know, we see Mandalorians, you know, together in Clone Wars and stuff like that. But there's just something about live action. It's yeah. just really cool. Um, uh, rocket packs. Uh, yes, please. <laughs> I'm hoping at one point he gets one. Him, him saying, you know, I got to get me one of those. I yeah. think that'd be fantastic. That would be um, awesome. The big thing, uh, <laughs> the Mandalorian never taking his helmet off. Um, I So, and I mean, I don't know what kind of cool stuff they have going on in their helmet. Like maybe there's like a toothbrush in there and like, <laughs> I don't really know. You know, like maybe it cleans your head for you. I don't know. Um, but... <laughs> I felt like that was um, kind of more of like a metaphorical thing. Like it is like a physical thing, but it's more of like a, how do I, it's like that tree quote, you know, like if a tree falls down in the forest and no one's there to hear it. Like if a Mandalorian <laughs> takes his helmet off and no one's there to see it, did he ever take the helmet off? Oh, that's great. Yes. That's a way, great way to You know what I mean? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I think it's more so him just like never, like behind closed doors in his private, you know, by himself he'll take it off obviously because i feel like you would have to to be like a clean person but (laughs) (laughs) but yeah so i think that may be a little more of like a metaphorical thing so yeah yeah i was thinking the exact same thing i was gonna say that to me it's more like have you taken your helmet off in front of anybody else you Mm -hmm. know what i mean like and and have you has anybody else taken it off you know that that'd be like It'd almost be like, uh, you know, if you are Batman, as long as you have the cowl on, no one can tell who you are. It's fine. But it's, if you take it off in front of somebody, now they know who you are. Mm-hmm. And that's a yeah, problem. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I think that I think that that's probably more of what that means. So I like, I like that take, Tori. Well, and it may not even matter because he probably wasn't telling the truth. Yeah, he, he might not have been. He probably has taken it off. <clears throat> now, some, mm, of the, maybe. some of the lore that I was exploring is kind of interesting because depending on what you read about Mandalore, the planet that they're from, they are a warrior-minded group of folks, but also there's been some more there are some there are some reports that there's like more sophisticated groups of people that were not as warlike, and then there are some that's like, "Oh no, there's like a faction of people who then tried to take over Mandalore and they were super warlike." So, I would love like a definitive report on exactly <laughs> exactly what the history of mandalore is um but because i the reason i ask that is because when or i say that is because when they show the flashbacks his parents aren't wearing armor like his parents are like legit just running around they're, yeah they're they're not they don't look like they're war-minded at all you know so i don't know if there's different types of people on mandalore i don't know if he wasn't on mandalore and his family had tried to escape from mandalore and now he's you know what i mean like these are the things that I think we're going to probably get more answers to in some flashbacks, but they make it a little bit more interesting that way. Um, but with you guys, I love seeing the super battle droid. Thought that was really cool. Um, included in like a uh, a non prequely way too. I mean, yeah. not not that I'm going to hate on the prequels. I'm not, but like they weren't shiny and new, and like they looked like they were coming out of Rogue One. Yeah, you know? yeah. like it was very K two S O esque. Um, I did like seeing the Mandalorians all show up. I do kind of feel like, again, I gave this a 50 out of 50, so this is not me complaining. But I do kind of feel like I, my preference would have been a few of them had rocket packs and some of them didn't, and you can kind of tell the difference between what was going on with that. Um, 
And then, but what if they're like the Rocket Pack clan? Like you don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's true. Like, it's what like, if that's their that's their thing? That's their that's yeah. Their stick, you it's know? like clan Rocketeer. I could see that. I could I could be down <laughs> with that. Um, so yeah, it didn't really. It, I wouldn't say it, it didn't bother me. It, in reflection, when I when I realized that we were seeing a lot of Mandalorians, I was like, oh okay, this is not something we've ne- necessarily seen before. We usually see them as one or two here or there. Um, and so I kind of had to think like, okay, well, yeah, we are seeing a lot of them, but that's kind of cool. But then all of them have rocket packs. That was my, that was kind of my, my response. But again, I'm not complaining. I'm just, no, no, I'm wrestling with it. (laughs) Yeah. I see what you're saying. And I just was thinking though, think about it this way. You're underground, right? Yeah. You got to get out. Someone's come in or whatever. Someone found out where you're at. What's the easiest way to get out of there? Oh, true. A rocket pack, right? Yeah. So if they're on the run all the time, it's probably a really useful tool, I would think. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a good point. That's a really good point. So we only have one more to cover before I get into the last question, and that is, do you think the Mandalorian meant to shoot, I keep forgetting his name, Apollo Creed. Grief Karga, yes. yes. Yeah. In the best car? Yes, he yes, meant he went car. right for the best car, yes. I agree. The, sec- the I agree. second time I watched it, I was like, he did that on purpose. He knew, he remembered, he knew exactly where it was. That's why he shot him there. Yep. It's a very calculated shot, too. Like, he backed off, he had time to aim. Like, yep. mm-hmm. it was not a quick reaction. So, we're all Which three I'm in happy about. that he's, he was not trying to kill him. Yes. Yeah. Which I'm so happy about because I was like, oh, I love that character. I really hope he's not dead. And then, you know. Yeah, exactly. He's not dead. So, and why and, would that be? That's the interesting question. Like, yeah. I don't think it's because he feels some connection to him. I think it's more he knows he can learn more through this guy, so he shouldn't take him out yet. Yeah, and, and mm, yeah. Well, I, you know, also I know that he was leading the the mini rebellion against the Mandalorian at the end there, but he also told him like, "Dude, this is your only hope." Like, in other words, this is beyond did, my control. Did you say no? There is another when. <laughs> When he said that, because I did, <laughs> did out you? loud, I'm did like, no, no, there, there is, is another. another. <laughs> yeah, no, but but um, but when he tells him that, what I think he's trying to communicate is, dude, they all want to kill you. You're breaking all the rules, and the only way that you get out of this is you put your weapons down, and I take you under my, like, control to mm-hmm. get you out of here. So I think that that when he shows up on the ship, it's kind of like, I still have to take you back, and that that's him basically saying like. Okay, I realize what you got to do, and I realize what I got to do. I don't want to kill you, but get yeah. out of get off my ship. You know what I mean? Like, um, yeah, I think he's like, oh, you're like kind of coming from as best of a place as you can in terms of helping me. Yes, but get away from <laughs> exactly, me. Exactly, <laughs> exactly right. I totally agree with that. That's great. Okay, so last question, and then if you guys have anything else you want to talk about, we can jump into that too. But my last question is. Um, we started to explore this last week. You you started to explore this with uh, Mike Gordon mm-hmm. and Ashley. The Mandalorian said in episode two that weapons were a part of his religion. And you guys kind of talked about um, whether that was kind of more of a side comment about the fact that he needs weapons to survive or he actually has a spiritual perspective on it. Like, right, it's not yeah. clear. Um, but the, the Mandalorians do have a really interesting history with the Force. Because the Mandalorians actually waged war against the Jedi Order at one point. Mm. Um, and in order to uh, counter the Jedi's supernatural powers, they developed all this additional armor and weaponry. You can't actually slice through uh, Beskar with a lightsaber, for example. You um, can or you can't? You cannot. Huh. It won't go through it. Now, I don't know what the details of that are. Maybe if you mm-hmm. hit it a hundred times, you can finally slice it. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. 
Um, but with that backdrop and with this character coming face to face with the Force through Baby Yoda, what do you think the rest of the series will explore relative to this perspective of like the Force and people who like go full in on the Force versus those who are really more atheist about the Force, like like somebody like a Han Solo in A New Hope, right? Which is like, yeah. I've never seen anything in the galaxy these hokey theories, you know, hokey religions. So, Tori, I'll start with you. What do you think? Will the will the story of the Mandalorian continue to explore this at, at some point, or do you think it's just kind of a subtle work in? Uh, I think there's a good chance it could. I think, um, given what's happened already, I think he's already mostly a believer at this point. Mm. I think the the child trying to save him, I think he was kind of like, wow, all right. Like, that's a thing that happens. Mm. Um, so I, I think the way in which it maybe would come up again or be explored um, would be maybe through other characters that he comes into contact with. Um, if we see the Mandalorians again, you know, maybe there will come a kind of like culture versus this newfound relief, belief. Like, mm. how does he kind of reconcile the two? So that's kind of how I feel like if they did kind of go into it further, that's that's what it would be. Yeah, because I think I really do think that he's already I mean, I, I definitely think he's mostly in at this point on. Or at least maybe he doesn't know how the force works or anything like that, but I think he definitely believes that the child has abilities. Yeah, 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 for sure. I think you'd almost have to because he saw it happen. So he could just think, oh, like, yeah. oh, man. I mean, but he didn't seem to know what it was, right? That's he was true. Like, yeah, he, he didn't, didn't know what happened. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So that's why I'm like, ah, I think I think once he finds out what it is, maybe that will be an interesting point for him. Yeah. But I definitely think that he's clearly already very connected to this child. Yes. And knows that it saved him in some weird way. Right. So. Right. What do you think, Daryl? Yeah, I don't know. I hope they explore it. Or I hope they at least explore his perspective on the force as he learns more about it. Um, I like his perspective on code and religion and stuff like that. Like I like the scene where they're in the forgery or the forge or whatever. And they're, um, um, he says that he killed that creature. Yeah. And she's like, Oh, well then we will make your signet that creature. And he's like, no, we can't. It wasn't a bold kill. Like my enemy helped me. And so it's like he's turning his back on some things to take care of this baby, but he's also holding very strong to some things too. Yeah. So it's interesting to see a character with that kind of a code, but also sort of going back on things Yeah. for some reason that we don't quite know yet. Yeah. Like, I don't know, maybe he actually interacted with Yoda in some way. Yeah. Which is why the baby gives him pause. Maybe Yoda actually had a presence in his life. Oh, interesting. You know, maybe... We'll see Yoda mm-hmm. pop up in these flashbacks. Or he was something doing like Postmates that. on on Dagobah. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> He's like, "Oh, just delivering a few snacks to Yoda." So I I uh, I think you guys are I think you guys are, are right on with what you're saying. I this is sort of my favorite parts of Star Wars is when you have like the characters who don't really believe and are super practical and are like you know, often different areas of the galaxy that are not part of the, well, in Coruscant, we all see the Jedi temple and, you know what I mean? Like to me, that's not as, that's not quite as interesting to me. Um, obviously the character is like struggling with their, what they want to believe about the force or what, how they want to utilize the force. 
Um, mm-hmm. That's interesting to me, but this is far more interesting to me. I loved Rogue One, where you had Baze and Chirrut, and Chirrut was basically completely dedicated to the Force, even though he's not necessarily Force-sensitive, per se, um, not in the way that like a Rey is or a Kylo is. And then you also had Baze, who was like, I'm not sure anymore. Everything's going real bad around here. And um, the interaction between the two of them, because it, it feels very, it feels very human to me to constantly be thinking to yourself, well, what should I believe and why should I believe it and how does it work? That seems really human to me, so I like those stories. I'm not as big of a fan of um, the stories where it's like, oh no, it works this way. This is how it is. Like, there's no other perspectives that you can have. Um, yeah, because mm-hmm. it just doesn't on that. feel like it doesn't feel like as much like our lives and how we play out our lives. So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, I hope that they continue to explore it a little bit more um, and through through that because I don't really want to get like I want to keep this. Uh, bounty hunter western mandalorian show i don't want it to suddenly become the the jet the missing jedi show yeah. <laughs> you know like yeah that's not really agreed. what i want <laughs> yeah agreed on that that's my only concern which I, with the child and obviously i love the child so i'm, I'm good right now yeah but i because i think i've we've talked about this before when i was on the first episode the jedi have never been like my favorite aspect of star wars not right. to say that i don't mm-hmm. like them but I feel like most storytelling does so heavily surround the Jedi, the Force, all of that. Yep. I just would hope that it wouldn't overtake it too much, you know? Yep, 100% agreement. Well, uh, Tori, thanks for joining us. What? Um, let the folks know what you're up to. Thank you. Um, I am just, you know, making stuff and trying to get my Etsy up. I've been really, really busy with working Christmas and stuff, so... But um, my Etsy is Creature Cartel. Um, my Instagram is Boba Fox. And then my Twitter is at Tori Fett. I will post about anything that I make on there. So, nice. Yeah. Well done. Including Mandalorian music dance numbers. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I did a little, I did a little uh, choreography to the, the Mandalorian theme. So nice. if you want to check it out, it's my pinned tweet. So. <laughs> there you go. Well, I've never done anything better than that. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's my best work. Well done. Well done. Well, thank you again for joining us. We really appreciate it. Absolutely. I had such a good time. Thank you, guys. Yeah. Well, that's it for today's show. Special thanks to Victoria and Daryl for joining me today. Make sure you subscribe to the Story Geeks Talk Disney Plus so you don't miss any of our upcoming episodes on The Mandalorian. Subscribe today on your preferred podcast provider. And while you're out there searching for the Story Geeks, make sure you check out the Story Geeks podcast as well. We're doing a Star Wars series over there, and you don't want to miss that. If you want more information on the Story Geeks Network or the Story Geeks Club, which has a bunch of benefits for people that join, please visit thestorygeeks.com. Thanks for listening, and as always, question everything in your favorite geek stories, and always seek the truth. <laughs>